sleep is more important to your health than nutrition, exercise relationships. We know this for a fact. We have the choice. We have the opportunity to bring conscious awareness to our dreams. And as we bring conscious awareness to our dreams, we bring conscious awareness to our unconscious patterns. We need different states of consciousness. We need big dreamers. We need big meditators. We need all of these states to dream up the next way of who we are, who we're going to become. Consciousness is always evolving and our present perception becomes our conscious reality. Is life happening for you or is it happening to you? A life of authenticity is a life of skillfully practicing your values. You are perfectly human and even when we stumble, we still stumble forward. If you seek truth and move in love, then your family. I invite you to have a seat at our table. You are listening to an authentic outlier, the nocturnal therapist himself, Harry Turner. Welcome, 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 welcome to another episode of Is That So? And again, Is That So? And this is about inviting equanimity in your life. It's about moving down the path of least resistance so that we can invite more harmony in our life. Everything seeks homeostasis. Everything seeks balance. You put hot and cold together, you get lukewarm. You know, you put salt and sugar together and you get some nasty. I don't know. But the point is, is that Everything in this place of isness, nothing exists without its opposite. There cannot be a day without a night. There cannot be sweet without bitter. There cannot be bad, quote unquote, without good. But understanding how these concepts and these energies interplay, because it's not about bad or good energy. It's about how balanced the energy is in everything. And so a big part of what I do, not here, because I'm not a therapist serving as a therapist on this show, but what I do in my private practice, which is a separate business as a psychotherapist, I can sum up most of what our job is into one statement. We assist other human beings in feeling safe again. That's the goal. Yeah. So I'm going, without further ado, I'm going to welcome my guest to the stage, Mr. Cardale Jacks. Hi, Harry. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much. Hey. Would you say that? I'm sorry to hear the applause. The, the crowd was just, just standing. Oh, man, I was just y'all, y'all cut it out. Now this man was trying to. T- oh, there they go again. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We got to let him go. Sometimes they just do it. All right. Are y'all done? Are y'all done yet? OK. All right. They done. They done. How you doing, Mr. Jax? No, I'm great here. It's beautiful to be here with you. It is a pleasure to be here with you as well, sir. So, you know, I I like to get this out of the way right in the beginning, man. I would love for you to just introduce yourself to the people and let them know uh, whatever you need to let them know. You know, I'm gonna give you a couple of minutes just to do that, uh, you know, two minutes or less. Or if you need more, you can take more. I ain't trying to limit you now, but I like to get it out of the way in the front because once I get the question in, I'm not thinking about that later on. So if that's okay, I'm gonna step to the backstage and let you talk to the people for a moment. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. As you so eloquently introduced, my name is Cordell Jackson. I'm coming to you from Vancouver Island, and I want to honor the First Nations people's lands who are sitting upon the Homoko people of, of where we are here on the island. And yeah, I'm, I'm 41 years old. I'm a father and, and husband, as you said, and I've spent most of my career in social innovation, in international development work, in social finance, in ocean plastics, and, and other big issues that I think have been important to me and, and some of the big existential issues of our times. And throughout my career, I've, I've spent a lot of time on a personal, personal passion project, which has been dream work, trying to understand those places we go to every night in the two hours that we spend dreaming and really understand, you know, why, why is it that we spend this time dreaming? Is it just a byproduct of our waking consciousness? 
is there something more there? And as I've learned over the years, there is so much more than meets the eye to our dream time. There's the opportunity to do healing work. There's the opportunity to do creative problem solving. There's the opportunity for sheer imagination and play. And as I've gone deeper and deeper and learned under many different traditions and many teachers throughout my life, I've come to realize that you know a lot of this one third of our life that we spend asleep is not downtime, but really a time for supra consciousness to go beyond, as you said, our waking minds to get out of our minds, get beyond them, and to look at our life and our situations from new vantage points, new perspectives, and to really take advantage of those opportunities to give us greater choice. And I really like what you said there in the, the beginning there, Harry, you know, that this is a lot of this is about safety. There are really two different types of stories that we we tell ourselves throughout our lives. And those are the stories that are empowered stories where we can take charge and we have choice. And then stories where we are victim and our dreams come to show us where where we have limiting stories, limiting beliefs, and how we can turn those limiting stories into empowered stories so that we can live into, as you so, so eloquently put, our potential, our greater livelihood. And so that is really what I've been called to do. I've been called through dream, through ceremony, through other opportunities in my life to really share what I've been learning these past 20 years with anyone who I can to make the most of, you know, beyond their waking hours. Mm-hmm. This shall be an experience. First off, real recognizes real and you're looking mighty familiar, sir. So thank you. And also a little that soft voice of yours, man. Bruh, if you, you have any meditations that you're selling, <laughs> just in my classes with my my cohorts you know i, I help them uh, really come into a state where they're they're open to what's trying to come through to them that unique self that's coming through to them whether it's in meditation or dream or psychedelic or any kind of experience all states of consciousness have something to teach us and so sometimes we just need to slow down calm down to see the bigger picture and when we see the bigger picture that's when we can we can change systems teach us and i have a quote right here on my desk that i keep here and i remind my people constantly you know uh, it's by pema i I don't know what the last name is chadron i jack it up every time but i'm gonna just say pema chadron but she says nothing he or she says nothing ever goes away until it teaches us what we need to know and i believe that that's in line with what you were saying yeah i think that's uh i I don't know pema but pema is uh Buddhist monk who one of my teachers spent three years in, in retreat with and uh, does a lot of work as, as you were speaking to on fear as well. And I think, I think it's very true. That statement is, you know, life brings us the curriculum that we need to see, to learn, to transcend, and we will repeat our patterns and that curriculum again and again and again until we learn it. And so, you know, whether that's in our relationships, and I think it's all relationships. I think, you know, relationship to career, ourself, earth, anything around us, understanding where we're in right relationship is where we need to go. And when we're out of sync or out of relation, that's that's our work. You know, where we can be loving compassion, great, that is our work. Where we can't, that is our work. Man, you said a mouthful, huh? You said on every single level you could be taught, which honestly, I believe. So let me... I say, honestly, I believe, because I don't think that someone that's not in your field would actually believe that or do what you do would actually believe that. But I know 
I'm a heart-centered hypnotherapist. And so I know what dream work does, you know, I, well, my concept of what dream work is, my understanding of it, I know the benefits of that because you and I, we talked about this backstage and I'm going to let the, the viewers know we were bonding backstage because him and I, we, we love the same quote by Carl Jung, which is until the unconscious becomes conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. And I want to say, sir, how, how does that connect to dream work? Connect that quote to dream work for us. Yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite quotes as well. And, and it's really to this point that, you know, the old iceberg metaphor, which I think Jung came up with as well, you know, what we are consciously aware of about ourself and our patterns and habits is 5% of the game. And 95% of that, 95% of the iceberg sits underneath the water. And that is what we are unconscious to or is within our subconscious mind. And our dreams, this is a time where a lot of our, our subconscious patterns can come bubbling up to the surface. Mm-hmm. They come up to us in these strange, sometimes hilarious, sometimes beautifully moving stories and visions that come to us. And they're, they're, they're coming to us to show us something we need to look at. And that's a big part of, well, as you said, I don't believe there's one right way to look at dream work. There are so many lineages from around the planet that look at dream work in different ways. So let's, let's just put that out there. But I believe that our dreams are coming to show us something that we're not giving attention to, we're not giving conscious awareness to during our waking life that is yearning to be expressed through us, that is breaking through when our inner editor, when our inner critics are shut down during dream time so that we might bring some conscious awareness to them. And that's ultimately, you know, that's ultimately for me what dream work is. Instead of treating the one third of our life of sleep and dream as downtime and unconscious time where we go unconscious, we have the choice. We have the opportunity to bring conscious awareness to our dreams. And as we bring conscious awareness to our dreams, we bring conscious awareness to our unconscious patterns. When we bring bring conscious awareness to our unconscious patterns, we are shedding light on our shadows. We are shedding light on those things that are buried beneath. And as we do that more and more, we become more consciously aware. And I think that's what you and I want and all of us want of ourselves and the people around us. Sir, for most of my life, and I, this is definitely wasn't, not a, nothing of what I say on my show is scripted, but man, for most of my life, I felt pretty alien on this planet. And I got to say, I've met at least one alien. <laughs> One person that's that's alien like like me. And I think that I finally found a second person because, you know, like, you know, I can listen to the words that you're saying and words are the most primitive form of expression. It's the lowest frequency, but I can hear what you're saying. And you just know, you know, I know that you're tapped into that frequency. I know that you're tapped into that, that universal frequency. It's like when you tap into that, that flow, that, that vibration, we could say that we could we, we we begin saying this exact same things, but just in our own form and fashion. Whatever, uh, as as Bruce Lee said, you know, three stages of self mastery. There's the undisciplined. There's a natural undisciplined where a person swings wildly, but does what natural. Then the longest stage is the unnatural discipline where you develop a martial arts and then you spend years and years mastering that, and then your body contorts to help you more efficiently practice a move. And he said the third stage is self mastery where you become, where your form is the form of formlessness, where now you move from the unnatural discipline to the natural discipline. And that takes a lot of shadow work, a lot of deep diving and a lot of exploration. And I hear it. 
I hear that you're at that stage of self-mastery. And so that's why I'm so excited. You know, and I know for, for people like us, and I'm going to speak for you presumptuously, and please correct me if I'm wrong, individuals like us tend to, we have a weakness, not a weakness, but we, we tend to struggle with our own self-worth and value. I notice people in, a, you know, in this type of industry, that illusion, that trance of unworthiness, yeah, we, we got it, we're humans. And so we deal with the same things every other human being does. But I believe, I, I tell my people this, the skill though, a life of authenticity is a life of skillfully practicing living through your values or skillfully practicing being yourself. And so the skill is with those that are in the later stages of development, maturation is that we know how to find our way back home. Mm-hmm. We can lose ourselves, but we always know how to find our way back home. You know, does that, does that resonate with you? Yeah, completely. I think that's, that's beautifully said. And there's, there's a couple of things that I'd love to just riff on with you there. You know, understanding ourselves is important. And if, if there's a lot of this, and we, we know this, we know this from psychology, we know this from science, that most of our habits, most of our decisions, beliefs, attitudes, all are subconscious to us. We're making these decisions without putting conscious awareness. They've become habit. They've become ways of being. And so doing shadow work, understanding what are these triggers, what are these reactions that we are we are walking through life with is really important. I want to know all that's under there. That's part of me. And so that's that's kind of one layer of depth to this work, which is let me see what I'm not aware of. And then the second layer of depth to it is also recognizing that we are a multiplicity. We are far more than just our cognitive, waking, rational mind. We are far more than making sense of our dreams, our meditations, our you know, other experiences, our, our shadow work. We are also a species, uh, a something that goes to these altered states. Every single night, we spend two hours in a very, very different altered state. We do breath work. We do running marathons, we do meditation, we do psychedelics, we do trance, we do dance, we do Burning Man, we do all these different things. And these are all moving us into altered states of consciousness. And like I said, I think they all have something to teach us. And so as the pendulum has swung from our dominant culture to a scientific, rational, truth is proof, very wake-centric way of being, I think we're moving back to a bit more of an indigenous way of looking at life from all these different phases of consciousness. They all have knowledge. They all have things to teach us. We are these multiplicities. Let's own and honor all of them. And when we start to do that, we start to be see beyond, you know, these continuous patterns, as you said, that we fall back into again and again. And I think, you know, to the bigger picture of not just our own personal self-work that we're working on, but the big existential crisis questions that we're facing as a civilization. We need people. We need different states of consciousness. We need big dreamers. We need big meditators. We need all of these states to dream up the next way of who we are, who we're going to become, and what this whole you know game is about. Sir, can you define what is dream work for the people, please? Yeah, dream work is taking the time to honor those places we go to every single night of our lives to try to listen to what's coming through us and to try and decipher what messages, meaning, or emotional stirrings that these these visions of the night cause us. 
And when we do that, when we learn how to listen, how to recall our dreams consistently, how to intentionally set different types of dreams, let alone how to lucid dream, how to become aware that you are dreaming while you're dreaming, these two hours of altered states that we go to naturally every single night can become incredible teachers to us, can be as important as any waking experience that we have. And so dream work is really honoring, again, all states of consciousness, particularly those we go to in our nighttime. So my next question for you, sir, thank you for that. My next question for you is, what is, and you mentioned two hours, and you know, doing my research, you, you know, I saw that you spoke about accessing and utilizing the two most important hours of the day. So, A, what is the two most important hours of the day? And then B, how do we utilize those two hours for our benefit? Yeah, so I say that are the two most important hours of our day. And we, the average person dreams if you're getting seven to eight hours of sleep every night, which everyone should be doing. The research is in, it's unequivocal. We are healthier, happier, wiser, and more emotionally regulated when we move on about a seven to eight hour sleep cycle every night. So one, honor your sleep hygiene. Do, sleep is more important to your health than nutrition, exercise relationships. We know this for a fact. So if you're getting seven to eight hours, you have two hours of dream time. Now, not all sleep is equal. At the start of the night, we go through, well, throughout the night, we go through 90 minute sleep cycles. Every 90 minutes, we go into a REM cycle. That's the time when our body is paralyzed. It's rapid eye movement. The only thing that's moving is our eyes under our eyelids, and that's so we don't act out our dreams. In the first 90 minutes, it's about a five-minute REM cycle, five minutes of dreaming. As we move to those seventh and eighth hours of sleep, we're going up to about 20-minute periods of dream time. That's when you're more likely to remember your dreams, why you're more likely to remember your dreams in the morning close to when you wake up. And so... These are the two most important hours, those two hours we spend in dream time, because again, they are teaching you what you can't learn while you're awake. And often those are, what are your stories? What are your limiting beliefs? What are these narratives that no longer serve you? And how might you transcend those narratives? How might you take on a different perspective? And that gets a little bit deeper into probably another one of our questions, which is, you know, how do you start to understand your dreams how do you make sense of these dreams at night and that's a that's a much bigger topic well sir no well let's go to that big topic we tackle big things over here man because we got big appetites for the truth so please tell us please exp- elaborate go down at that go down the natural path or natural order of ex- explaining things yeah so i mean there's a, there's a lot of different schools of thought on dream interpretation and unlike modern day science, there's no right way, there's no right interpretation, there's no one right interpretation of a dream. What I say is, you know, when there's a good dream interpretation, it lets the dreamer see things for themselves that they hadn't otherwise seen. There's an aha moment where they all of a sudden transcend their old their old meaning and some new meaning comes to them, some new insight comes to them. Ooh. And that's good dream interpretation. Wait, wait, so, wait. I want yeah. you to continue. Can you hold it? Can you hold it for a second? Yeah. You said that aha moment. If you've heard me, my people, I'm talking to my people now. If you've heard me speak about the difference between understanding and then moving to the knowing, this is this is what my brother is talking about. Many of us understand a thing, but the problem is, is that we stand under the truth instead of in and on the truth. 
Do you have inner standing to that? Because when our subconscious speaks, it's speaking from our inner world. And the inner world is the real world. Again, you've heard me say the quote, if you defeat the enemy within, the enemy without can do you no harm. You're not the enemy. It's that fear that certain parts of you possesses that has served as stumbling blocks and roadblocks and barriers. And you've seen who you truly are. You know, I, I just had to add that in there real quick. Please, please. Yeah, that, that all resonates as well. You know, it's when these these inner guides, when these inner narratives, when these inner dreams start to express themselves to you and you recognize them, you may not recognize what they mean. Most of the time, we don't understand what our dream, dreams mean. There are the few occasions where a dream shows you something, you get it. It's like, okay, there's something there, I see it. Or, you know, you might have a visitation from a a deceased relative or friend and it's just that experience that 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 emotional resonance that comes through to you and that's you know that's there for you you don't need to decipher anything further but most dreams are puzzles to be solved and there's a reason that dreams are weird and are puzzles in this way because they're trying to get us to do some work if they were if our if our limiting stories and our limiting beliefs were that easy to transcend we'd do it in waking life our dreams are giving us these weird little puzzles to try and figure out, to try and look at from different angles, to stretch our minds, to think and look at things in new ways, new ways, and we've got to work for it. And so that means looking at what did the dream trigger? What emotions did it bring up for me? Where are those emotions resonant in my waking day life? Where am I similarly feeling these types of emotions? Where am I similarly seeing these types of triggers that are coming through to me? How is the dream, the environment of the dream, demonstrating to me where these triggers might be coming from, where you know some pattern or some trauma may have started? Learning the language of our dreams takes a little bit of time and it takes some practice to look at. But once we start to understand how to look at symbols, how to work with environments of dreams, how to work with the emotions that are triggered, all of a sudden the maps of meaning open up and there are a lot of different ways to look at our habitual patterns from a new light. And then all of a sudden you're empowered. You've got new choices to make and get out of that victim narrative. What's a victim, but someone without choice. You come out of a dream going, wow, the next time I'm triggered like this, I have lots of different choices as to how I can respond rather than react. And so your dreams are this beautiful inner guidance system every single night that if you slow down, if you take the time to listen to, and if you start just a few minutes every single day of reflecting, doing some inner work of, what was I dreaming about? What could that have possibly meant? How might I listen? Then that has a resonant effect throughout the rest of your waking day as you look for those signs, symbols, and triggers and how you might transcend them in your waking life. Come on, man. Transcendence. And it comes from the knowing of one's truth, you know? And and you pay attention to the signs because life always conspires in our favor. And I resonate with so many things that you said. And so I've I've talked to my people and I've told them, you know, my, my, my people here on this podcast and those who will listen to me in the future, I tell them, you know, I say that we're born tabula rasa or empty slate. And, you know, for me, the game is to learn who we are through having this human experience. And so it's not about finding the truth, but many truths along your path that further unlock your true beingness, your true authentic state. And then when you learn and discover that new truth, then you live in that truth. Ergo, you become lit for life. That flame, you allow your flame to begin to 
to shine. You no longer need that outside influence or validation or whatever. Not to say that we don't fall in these weakened states where we do seek it because we're all still humans. And so we can fall prey to the mind, especially in a fatigued state. But as you continue to to live in your truth, you learn that synchronicity begins to kick up and then you meet people that's on the same synergetic on the same energetic level as you are. And when two people are on the same energetic, have the same energetic frequency or similar energetic frequency, when you give, you don't lose. You amplify one another. And that's that's this beautiful state of reconnecting with love and seeing that connective tissue, which is love how it connects all of us. And then we just move into that space. What's good for you is good for me. I want for you just as much as I want for me and me being a person of faith. This is how I understand the saying, love thy neighbor as thyself. Because for me, I see my neighbor as myself. I see my neighbor as an extension of myself, just another version, another journey, another traveler on this journey to discover parts of who we are, just another version of myself. But we all come from the collective whole, which is called love, you know? I, I love that. And I'm speaking of resonance. I mean, that, that really resonates. Like we're looking for, for peoples, for environments, for situations that we get that feedback loop from, that we, you know, get charged from, that we get energized from. I, I want the Harry that is the most energized, charged, passionate, you know, meaning making, meaning fulfilling, meaning following person that can. So I think, you know, that's a big part of our work here is how do we charge that in ourselves and in each other? And there's, there's something really interesting that happens with dream work, which is as you start to notice symbols that come through in your dreams, as you know, you may have had a school bus, a yellow school bus that came through in your dream. You may not have made sense of it, but the next day, as you see yellow school bus pass you by on the road, all of a sudden you become aware, you bring attention to the moment, you bring some conscious awareness to that moment. And if nothing more, it gets you to tune in, it gets you to turn on for a second. And that just might happen for a second. But as you start to do this work more and more, our, our friend Carl Jung there coined the term synchronicity. And really, you start to see the synchronicities and the symbols that show up between your dreaming time, your dream time and your waking life. And it's a feedback loop that builds more and more as you start to recall your dreams as your dream time the dream weaver whoever that is if it's yourself or collective unconscious or as you said as a man of faith source the universe however you want to frame it it's all the same to me you know however you make meaning in your life whatever that synchronicity starts to show and you start to listen to it starts to flood you with more and more of that symbology more and more of the things that you can resonate on that you can generate that energy and again, more and more opportunity to bring conscious awareness to every present moment. I rarely say this to anyone. And because of machismo, let alone another man. But Mr. Jax, I must say, sir, I love you. I freaking love you, man. Oh, my love goodness, too, man. Brother. Oh, man, I found another alien in this planet. Oh, man, I love it. Oh, my goodness, I love it, man. You speak my language, man. Yeah. Ah, okay. <laughs> Let me come well, I'm happy. You know, what, what, what you're doing here with the podcast, what you're doing with the outliers, what you're doing as nocturnal therapists, I mean, we want more people to speak our language. And I, I'm, I'm very optimistic, you know, as you said in, the, in your introductory remarks, you know, there are, it is de rigueur to look at, you know, 
trauma, there's mental health and all these things are coming to the forefront for good and for bad. But I think in general, for greater awareness, people are bringing more of these ideas, more language to it, and people are starting to speak more of the same language. And I think all of us weirdos, all of us aliens, I mean, all hail the weirdos here. Let's bring more of these insights to a common language. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. You know, my my therapist, you know, she said, Harry, I want you to stop calling yourself weird and start saying the word unique. Weird has too much of a neg- negative connotation for you. And I understand what she's saying, but it's just it is as if I've came into beingness already knowing, and it's always, I've always operated from that space. So a lot of false evidence appearing real, not really knowing my path, my, who I am in this space and time and this, you know, and so I, I said, okay, well, when I graduate high school and go to college, I'll find people that I can fit in with, you know, I mean, I fit in with some people from high school, but not, not where I could speak my alien language. Right. So I said, when I go to college, surely I'll find people there. Went to college. Uh-uh. So when I graduated, I said, surely I'll find people in my field that, that speak my language. Uh-uh. So I went to grad school. I was like, surely they'll speak my language there. Uh-uh. Graduated from grad school, became a therapist and, 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 and been a part of different therapy associations. And I'm like, surely after everything they read on Freud and Young and, and everything else, like surely these people will speak my language. Uh-uh. So finally, finally, it, it took me till 37 to realize that I am who I am and this 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 human need of belonging. This is a true need. I need to honor, honor that, you know. But at the same time, stop believing that I need to change something about myself in order to belong, A, and B, stop seeking to belong. And if I stand out, then clearly I was born to stand out. And so just move in that space. And it's crazy because you talk about triggers earlier. For me, triggers are areas of unexplored truth, that there it's an unfinished space for us. And so for me, I don't avoid my triggers. I consider my pain to be a blessing and that nothing will cause you to focus on a thing like pain. And so our triggers cause discomfort and pain for us. And so when I experienced that, I said, I never waste my pain. And so I followed that trigger to understand what unresolved truth is there for me. Because under your greatest fear is your greatest strength and your greatest truth. That's what I've discovered. I'm a preacher's kid, man. The last thing I ever wanted to do was be seen because I was tortured. I was tortured growing up, you know. But look where I'm in. Look, look, look at how the path has led. I didn't all of a sudden say, okay, I'm gonna be I'm going to jump on and do podcasts and be a social influencer and this and that. COVID happened, started doing stuff for free. Then people said, record it, started recording for this other podcast. And now, then we had a podcast. We founded the podcast. Now I'm over here doing this, you know, and now I'm speaking to you. And I got, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I, I'm just nodding my head in, in, in alignment because I, I feel so much the same. My, 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 my journey has been, you know, I was, I guess, a finance guy. You know, I started my career in big business and slowly that transcended into social finance and international development. But, you know, just until a year or two ago, I was deathly afraid of sharing my alienness out there, sharing with people, you know, what, as, as, as you said to early, earlier, you know, this gets into spirituality, this gets into belief of who we are and what we are very quickly. And for me, you know, my professional colleagues sharing, I want to be a dream coach. I'm going to share these 20 years of experience I have with others was the scariest thing I could possibly imagine. And I had a coach at the time and she said, I'm not going to coach you any further until you go out on social media and tell everyone that you're doing this 
and why you're doing it and th that's your work. And that was my big resistance. And it took me a month to do that. And all my fears of all oh, my professional finance colleagues and the CEOs and executives, you know what? I put that, I put myself out there and as terrifying as it was, the people whose judgment I most feared became my best clients. They started inviting me into their boardroom saying, oh yeah, some of our biggest uh, business ideas and strategies have come from dreams. Can you teach our te teams to access these states? Can we teach our teams to use creativity and problem solving through Dreamtime? They knew that you know Einstein, Edison, all these people had used Dreamtime to come up with some of the biggest innovations that have most affected our human society. So I think there is this swing coming back of us, us aliens, us weirdos, you know, bringing back these, these truths that are coming through. And, and there's just one other thing I wanted to jump on that you said, which is, you know, your unique self, it took you until you were 37 or however old you were for, for all of this to be comfortable to be expressing this. You know, as you mentioned, I have a two-year-old daughter. As a parent right now, I'm trying to understand how, how do I, one, be a great parent, two, how do I honor and nurture the uniqueness of my daughter that wants to come through? And particularly in a time when we live in social media, when we live in curated, cultivated, consumptive content, you should be like this, you're not enough of this, buy this, just blasting at every angle. And so one of the best ways I know how to teach her to honor the unique self that she is, is to listen to go inward, listen to her dreams. What wants to be expressed through you? What wants to come through? Don't listen to the noise out there. Don't look for any solutions outside of yourself. Again, it's all within you. Learn to tap in and hey, it's productive. It's fun. It's efficient. It's playful. Do it while you're sleeping. Yes. You know, I tell uh, I tell my people, you know, if, I'm, if I have a mother and she says, I just want to be a good mother to my child. I'm waiting, and many times I hear, I want to be a better parent to my child than my parents were to me. And I said, if you want to be a great mother or a great father, learn how to be a great mother and father to yourself first. And if you learn that, then you'll never have any issue being the best mother and father that you could be to your child. That's it. That's it. Just give whatever you need. It's the same thing your child is going to need. You give yourself love and then you understand how that love will radically change and protect your child. You know, it's it's life is life most certainly is full of paradox, is it not? Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to just share a personal story with you, if I if I may. Please. You know, a big part of the reason why I, I decided to to share what I've been passionate about in learning dream work was because of a dream. And I had been working on ah, parenting my inner child a little bit better. I'd been working on some trauma that happened to me when I was 11 years old and family going bankrupt and some hardships, sickness, and all, all of these different things that were really challenging for me. And I'd worked with therapists, I'd gone to ceremonies, I'd worked with plant medicines about it, nothing really clicked. And then one night I had a dream. And in this dream, I was with my 11-year-old self face to face and this, you know, crying, scared, fearful little boy, I was able to just hold him in the dream, just be able to say, look, none of this is your fault. Everything is going to be okay. You are loved. And I just held him and it was, we just dissolved into each other. And I woke up with tears streaming down my face. And it was the most healing moment, healing experience of my life. And in that moment of awakening, it was like, my, my, my programming had shifted 
I, I, I felt baggage lift off immediately. I saw lenses that I'd been looking through my entire life that all of a sudden were removed. And, and just my, my worldview shifted. And it was at that moment of being able to parent my inner child, being able to work, have this healing moment through dreams that it all clicked for me. I knew about healing in dream time, but I'd never experienced it at that depth of a level. And that's why I said, okay, I get it. We have ceremony every night. We have the opportunity to do this healing work continuously. I need to share this with others. And, and that's why this is part of my life's work now. That. Yes, thank you so much for that personal story. You know, in in these, the way that the mind is coding, experience painful experiences that we do not do not understand. It codes as shame, which is a great way to keep a person from exploring the truth of who they are. Because the last thing we want to feel is shame, this sense of unworthiness. You know, and so I believe that that that's what keeps a lot of us from doing the introspective work, the inner work, because we're afraid of what we may find. Doing my shadow work and doing the inner work, I went back to something I didn't even think because I judged it as a child, right? I said that was child stuff, you know, it didn't really matter. But when I did the inner work, one of the memories I came back to was uh, I think it was somewhere between the age eight and 10. And my parents threw a birthday party. They didn't have much money, you know, barely getting by. I didn't know how much they struggled, you know, but they tried their best to not let us feel the pains of poverty, you know. But they threw a birthday party for me at this pizza place. And invited, I want to say, 20 to 30 people, right? And they they ordered a whole bunch of pizzas and stuff. And I know it cost a good bit of money, you know. One person showed up. One person showed up. One person that had a crush on me at the time showed up. And this table is decorated. All of these pizzas are sitting there. My father's joking. My mother is, is smiling, trying to hide back her tears because she knows that her son's heart is broken. And for years, I didn't realize until I went back into the shadow work that there was a conclusion that I made at that point that I did not matter to people. And so it's safest to be by myself. And so then I adopted this loner's mindset that also was encouraged by others because they say, oh, you're so strong. You're such a loner. When in reality, that represented my fear of the other. My fear that if I let anybody close to me at the end of the day, they will leave me by myself. You know, the sense of abandonment. Combined with the, the 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 murder of my first cousin, I woke up and all of a sudden he was gone. Another thing that led to abandonment that I had to explore during a shadow work is this fear of abandonment. You know, my parents they kept bringing up you know how I said that they that they would be gone dead by the time I made it to high school, and as an adult I kept I kept trying to understand why would I say something so cruel to my parents, and when I did the shadow work it was I understood now. Because the people that I that I believe would show up for me did not show up, combined with the sudden murder of my cousin, that led me to believe at some point in time, anybody who ever cares for me, anybody who really gives a damn about me and loves me would leave me. And so I'd already counted my parents out and everybody else out. you know. And so when I did the shadow work, I was able to tune back into that child and say, no, stop looking at all those empty chairs. Look at the chairs who, of the people who were there. And I see my mother, my father, and that friend that showed up, you know, these are the people that matter. You are loved. Mm. And just because they are MPC said doesn't mean that you weren't loved, but look at the people who were there and you are loved. And that just, it just opened up another door. You know, it just, that, that level of insight, it helped to change my perspective, it, it, a perspective shift. And of course, perspective is reality. And so with my perspective shifting, so did my reality. And I moved in that truth, you know? Mm, that's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for sharing that. And 
you know, that those insights that, that came that have come for you from doing that work, from, from digging in, you know, that the old cliche, you gotta, you gotta feel it to heal it. You know, if I would have never speak to you another day in my life, it makes me smile harder knowing that you're out there, man. And I really appreciate you, man. Bless you, brother. Mad love and mad respect, for real. Thank you, brother. Likewise, and I feel that it's it's beautiful to to see people awakening in this way, to see platforms like this emerging. So thank you for the good work that you're doing in this way. Yes, sir. And I have your website down there. Uh, is there anything else you want to say to the people before we end this amazing episode? Yeah, you know, thank you for, for, for posting my websites and Instagram and Facebook and all that. And, and for anyone who's interested in just dipping their toe in the water of dream work, go to my Facebook site, go to my website and sign up for the, the free seven-day dream recall challenge. For seven days, I send you a five-minute video each day, totally free, and it just gives you some exercises to try before you go to bed. And I've had thousands and thousands of people go through this within a week you will see how quickly a little intentionality will start to bring back your dream life. You may not have had it for 20 years. This practice builds very, very quickly. And so take that step, open your dream life back up and open your entire life up to the synchronicities that come through the connection of your dream and waking life. So thank you so much again here, Harry. And uh, it's, it's been beautiful to talk to you. Brother, it's been a pleasure to speak with you as well. And and if I had hair, I would wear it exactly the way that you're wearing it, man. That's some luxurious hair you got over there, man. I I see you, man. You're flowing Kenny G style. You know what I'm saying? I'd have been in. I would have been in this video like just tossing it back, like you know, and saying something deep, man. You know. But hey, I, there's Thanks. a. I'll own it before it all goes gray. <laughs> Well, uh, man, please uh, send uh, send love. Even though I've never met your daughter, let you know send love for me to your daughter, to your wife, and and uh, to your family, man. And I just send nothing but positive vibes towards you and your journey, brother. And no matter how challenging it may get, and I know I don't need to tell you this, but no matter how challenging it get, you already know that the challenges are there only to refine who we are and then to find a deeper truth about who we are, brother. So never give up. Keep doing what you're doing, even though I know you're never going to give up, man. And I, for one, am inspired and feel more centered and even safer knowing that you're doing the work that you do, brother, to wake other people up. So thank you so much. Likewise, and thank you as well. I look forward to our paths crossing again real soon here. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right, y'all. Y'all heard it. Man, I I don't even know how to end this today. Y'all know I have a lot of smart, you know, uh, quirky things to say towards the end of my session, but I mean, quite honestly, nothing needs to be said. What's understood doesn't need to be said. And and I believe my brethren, he he did a great job of of explaining the importance of doing that inner work. You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The physical is a manifestation of spiritual truths. And it's your inner world that's really real. It's your inner world that determines your external experience, you know. And so Gandhi, he said, happiness is when we say, do and think or in harmony. If you want to change the world, you begin with yourself. You are it. You are the catalyst. You are the lock and the key. You are the question and the answer. Nobody can teach you except that which is half asleep in the dawning of your being. But you got to do the work because teachers like Jack and like myself, Mr. Jackson, like myself, our wings can't make you fly. But I need you to understand that you have your own set of wings that you can develop. Don't be afraid. We all were afraid. We all were fearful. That's just part of this experience. 
But understand that freedom exists on the other side of your fears. And understand again that sailboats are safest at the harbor, but they're never built to remain docked. Be free, live well, live in your truth. Mad love and respect, agape, and stay lit. I'm out. Do you tell your time what to do? Or does your time tell you what to do? Are you living or are you merely existing? Are you constantly reacting or are you responding to life? Mixed beliefs create confusion and confusion creates a life of stagnation. Desire change? Visit www.becomeanoutlier.com slash about. That is www.becomeanoutlier.com becomingoutlier.com slash about A-B-O-U-T to start your journey. Stay tuned for more episodes and keep listening to the nocturnal therapist himself, Harry Turner.